Well, I am excited to be here today. I am really, really pumped to be here. And I am glad that you are all here, whether in the physical or through the Facebook realm, however that works, I'm glad you're here too. Um, I have a message today, and we're going to preach it, and we're going to talk about it, okay? So, last year, when we were doing the fast, me and my wife discovered, stumbled upon this series by Bridgetown Church, okay? And so, during the fast, we usually try to click on, just take a little more emphasis to watch through a series together, a teaching or something like that. And we found this one by Bridgetown Church. And I'm going to insert a quick disclaimer here. So pretty much everything after this point, you can almost just quote, okay, John Mark Comer or Bridgetown Church, okay? They just did such a good job. It's been so life-changing to me that I am just ripping unabashedly so much stuff from his books and his teaching series. So if this really strikes a chord with you, go to Bridgetown Church and check out the rest of their sermon series because they have a very exhaustive and in-depth study on this, okay? But for today's purposes, I'm giving you the crash course on Sabbath, okay? So rewind about a year ago, we are very, we were very, very worn out parents, okay? How many people could say, I've understood that, I've been there, just like, whoo, just give the little, okay, listen, I know we're a little bit sparse in number in the sanctuary today, guys, but I need some loud, boisterous people, because I need to work off of your a little bit of enthusiasm today, so get with me a little bit, just give me a little bit, whoo! All right, whoo, whoo, all right, okay, all right. So, we were tired, okay? Noble was about six months old at this point. This was last January, and he suffered from extreme eczema, okay? Extreme. And we did everything that you're supposed to do. We limited the diet, the lotions, the creams, the dermatologist, the pediatrician, the baths, and oatmeal baths, and the Facebook mommy pages. We did it all, okay? But he still had bad eczema. And because of that bad eczema, it just drove him just pain and just, just scratch, and it was on his face. And he would wake up three to six times every night for 13 months and just crying and crying and crying. And no matter what, even if we were giving ourselves, trying to switch off and on to help each other through night, get rest, we live in a two-bedroom apartment, okay, with very thin walls. We hear everything, okay? And so we were just fatigued and worn out. And on top of that, if you add in there's the normal bumps and bruises of any given year, a few broken dreams here, a little bit of conflict with your family here, you're just worn out and stressed. We were just in a really tired and exhausted place. Just really, really just burned. And that's when we enter in last January fast, this teaching on Sabbath. And I honestly believe that when we started listening and learning about Sabbath and what that means and looks like in your daily, weekly lives, a normal pattern, adding it as a practice in your life, I believe that that one day of focused rest allowed us to live the rest of the six days well the whole last year. And so it's been something that we've been practicing since last January, so over a year now, okay? And I don't feel like I'm good at it yet, but it's been something that's changed our lives and something that's been so um, and passion in our hearts that I asked Brian if I could share with you guys for two weeks on it, and he said yes, okay? So, I don't think that I'm alone in this. I think that we actually live in a moment of cultural unrest, okay? I've done a very, very scientific study on my own, which consisted of me just asking people, how are you doing? 
and then remembering kind of what they said and then adapting that so it would say what I want to say in the message, okay? Very scientific. And I just said, how are you doing? You know what the number one response I get? Good, but busy. Or good, but tired. Or no good, just busy or tired, okay? Skip the good part. We're just busy and tired people, okay? And that transcends all up and down. Sixth grader in middle school. I'm tired. What are you tired for? Okay, you have school. You don't even have, barely have chores. What are you tired for? Okay, you know how mad I was when I was going from like three hours of sleep for a year and hearing sixth grader tell me they're tired? Look, I don't care if I'm the pastor. I'm going to slap you, okay? We're tired and we're restless and we're busy people. I think that goes everywhere in life. I think that often when we do rest, we are so busy just going, going, going. But when we do actually rest, that we confuse rest with play or entertainment. And so even if we work hard, we have this motto in America of work hard, play hard. Right? Come on. How many people are the play hard type? Okay. <laughs> there it is. There's the woohoos. Thank you. Right? So we... So we play hard on the weekends too, and what happens is that we just get to this place where we're just kind of managing life. Like the kids are fed and they're out the door on time, the house is somewhat under control, I'm accomplishing the tasks I need to do, but we're just kind of managing it. But I don't think God came to say you can just manage life. Let the things that you really care about slip by. He said, I want to come and give you life and life to the management level. No. Life, but life to the fullest, right? Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, this is a Jewish Sabbath prayer that says this. Days pass, years vanish, we walk sightless among miracles. When I read that, I was like, oh, that hits me. Because I feel that. Days pass, years vanish, and we walk sightless among miracles. How many times has God done something in my life that I just account to just, I don't know, just don't even see it. Just walk right by it. They just don't even take time to re realize it. And it's not out of a lack of, like, unthankfulness or not trusting God. It's a lack of fatigue and tiredness. Amy and I got a sign just at the beginning of this year when uh, it went on sale. We've been watching it for a little bit. And we got this sign. It says, these are the days. And we got it for number one reason, because it looks really, really cool. And we had a bare spot on our wall. And we just wanted to cover it with a cool sign. So we got the sign, okay? But number two... We got it because it's a constant reminder every day we wake up that these are the days versus the good old days. Because I believe Jesus has accomplished something and something good is today, that this is my best day. And the cool thing about this sign that it's not dated. These are the days 2020. It doesn't say that. It just says these are the days. So that 30 years from now, those will still be the days. My best day is right now. God's mercies are new right now. Today I can meet Jesus right now. I can be in God's presence right now. Amen? We rush, we rush, we rush. We accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. We get so much done while all the things we actually care about and have meaning just kind of slip right by. Without appropriate rest, I do not think that we can be the person that God wants us to be. John Mark says this. He says, I think that 80% of loving well is just emotionally being, is just, let's back up. 80% of loving well is just being emotionally healthy and spiritually awake. And I, when I heard that, that really resonated with me. It is really, really hard for me to love well when I'm exhausted. 
It is really, really hard for me to come home after a really long day of work, maybe a little bit emotionally breaking, and to come home and to brace myself for the tornado that is my children, okay? My daughter is kind of built like me. She's only three and a half, but man, we literally brace ourselves when we can hear her stomping across the apartment, running at us full force to hug us, because we will get bruised and we will get knocked over, okay? Like that kind of Love, that kind of energy, takes a little bit of patience, okay, sometimes. I love it, but if I wake up fresh from the Sabbath, and I'm fresh and well-rested, you know what I do? I get on my hands and knees, and I play with my kids. You know what I do if I'm exhausted and fatigued and tired and impatient? Ow, stop, ow, get off. Hey, let me walk in the door. Can you just let me, just, can you just move? Can you just, just move, just move a little bit. Let me take my shoes off, okay? And I, it's so much easier to be the person that God has called us when we are well-rested. It is so easy for me to be tempted when I'm exhausted. But try tempting me when I'm well-rested. It's so easy to give in when I'm already broken down. (laughs) When I was in college, uh, I had a fairly busy schedule. And I still don't compare it to last year, 2019, because I could nap at any given moment whenever I wanted to, even in class. I, you know, now I nap and the kids set the house on fire. Then I could nap and it was like, teacher might smack me in the back of the head. I don't care, okay? But even then, though, when I was in, uh, when I was in college, I would work. I had like 18 credit hours. I worked like two jobs. I was staying up all night. I was playing games. I was out on the weekends, the basketball games and football games and all this kind of stuff, right? Normal college stuff. And so I remember, well, actually I don't, but my friends told me once I was sleeping in my uh, room and my roommate came in and uh, I, I don't remember that, okay? But the next morning he caught me and he said, are we okay? I'm like, yeah, we're okay. What do you mean? He said, well, last night you were sleeping. I said, yeah. And he said, I came in. I said, okay. He said, I just need to get something. I said, okay. He said, I bumped something, made a noise and it woke you up. I said, did I? I don't remember that. He said, Yeah. He said, you got up, you looked at me with death in your eyes, and you said, get out! I had no, no recollection of this. But something in me, when I get really, really exhausted, I kind of sleep talk. I've made my brother get out of bed and get me a cup of water and drink it that I do not remember. I've told my wife that there's men in the room, and I'm like, there's men in here, get out! And I, she's like, what are you talking? I was just sleep. I was just exhausted. But even in my unconscious state, when I am not well rested, I'm a meanie. Imagine me when I'm awake and I can actually think about the things I want to say, okay? But why are we so restless? Every day, we wake up with desires. Every day. I wake up with a desire every morning. Well, firstly, I wake up with a desire mostly to go back to bed. But after I conquer that desire, okay, I wake up with a desire for a good, strong cup of coffee. A hot shower filling breakfast, an opportunity to contribute to my community, work with my hands, to spend the evening with my family, to catch up on my Netflix shows in the evening, and finally, at 8 p.m., to pull that sacred quart of ice cream out of the freezer once the kids are asleep and eat as much as I can before Amy gets her hands on it, okay? We all have desires in us, right? And John Mark says this, desire is a great motivator. It's the engine of our lives. Its function is to propel us out of bed, into the world. But if at any point desire is no longer under our control, it is instead driving our lives, we are in trouble. 
Because when you take a closer look at the dynamics of desire, you realize desire is one of those things that can never, ever be satisfied. Meaning this, desire is infinite. No matter how much we see, do, buy, sell, eat, drink, experience, visit, etc., we will always want more. Have you guys ever had that feeling where you wanted something for so long, it was on your wish list or in your, you had it at the top of your list, back in your mind, you just wanted it, wanted it, wanted it, and you finally bought it. And then a week later, that thing is in the back of your closet and you just want the next thing. You guys feel me? Have you ever been that way? Have you ever, a little bit, a couple over here? Okay, I experienced that with these shoes. These shoes were on my Amazon list for like four months, okay? I had enough shoes. I just couldn't justify buying another pair of shoes. But then all of a sudden, one day, they dropped from 80 bucks to 50 bucks. I'm like, Amy, you know what? Price, I think price is right. Time to get some new shoes. She's like, okay, honey, because she loves me. And so I bought these new shoes. The next week, I had a second pair of shoes in my Amazon cart that were the same shoes. They're just pink. Okay, judge me, but they're really cool looking, like a light pink, like a cool pink, like I could pull off that pink, okay? Okay, and those dropped from 125 to 55. I was like, Amy, forget about those shoes. She's like, didn't you just buy a pair of shoes? Well, yeah, but they're light pink. They make my skin look good, okay? Uh, so why do we have this desire? What do we do with this infinite desire in finite bodies? Why would that be there? Well, actually, I think it's part of God's design. Dallas Willard says this, Desire is infinite in part, partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all of our needs. We are only home in God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, but it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. John Mark continues, he says this, Ultimately, nothing in this life apart from God can satisfy our desires. Tragically, we continue to chase after our desires ad infinitum. The result, a chronic state of restlessness, or worse, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depression, all of which lead to a life of hurry, a life of busyness, overload, shopping, materialism, careerism, a little of, and a, ooh, and a life of more, which in turn makes us even more restless. The cycle spirals out of control. He's saying this, we have infinite desire, meaning that you could fill and fill and fill. You could eat at every single restaurant in Huntley, which is like six, but still. Maybe you expand that to the greater out there, like Lake in the Hills or something. You could eat everything, experience every attraction. You could do everything you ever wanted to do, but you always want more. This is made apparently evident in me because as soon as I finish that tub of ice cream, you know what I want to put right at the top of the list of my grocery list for next week? More ice cream, okay? Our desires are infinite, but so is God. He's eternal. And so when we pass from the finite bodies right now into our eternal forms, we have this infinite, ravenous desire, but we have God that will fill it. But right now, that desire is working to control you. That desire is trying to distract you from God's rest. That desire is trying to say there's other things that will give you rest. 
There's other things that will fill you. There are other things that will make you feel good and replace that love, that, that opportunity for God to come fill that he promises. You know what? You've been tricked into it. After World War I, American corporations were rich and powerful. They worried about the danger of overproduction. What if there were people that acquired enough goods and simply stopped buying stuff? Everything from shoes and cars was uh, promoted as a uh, functional terms, okay? They meant to appeal to the rational consumer. So at the end of World War I, this uh, guy named banker uh, Paul Mazura of Lemain Brothers says this famous quote. He said, we must shift America from needs to a desires commute culture. People must be trained to desire, to want new things even before the old has been entirely consumed. We must shape a new mentality in America. Man's desire must overshadow his needs. And I feel that every September when the new iPhone comes out. I feel that every November when the Black, uh, the Black Friday ads roll in. We have a culture right now of buy new before the old one is still even out of the box. It's been shaped in you. Um, Bridgetown Church says, we live in a cultural moment of restlessness. The unsatisfied desires of our human condition are exacerbated by the barrage of digital marketing from consumption-oriented, consumer-driven economy. We have multi-billion dollar multinational industries hovering over our minds via our devices in an attempt to monotonize our restlessness. But rest doesn't come from buying a product. It comes from resting in God. Your phones, you buy them, but they're not yours. Companies spend millions and billions of dollars figuring out ways to capture your attention because they know where your attention is, the money is. And so your phones are strategically set up to become addictive. You think games are just addictive for the sake of, just for the, no reason? No, there are people strategizing how to capture as much as your attention as possible. Because they know that that is where the money is. So in face of all of this unrest and misplaced desire from God, what do we do? Wouldn't it be nice if God or Jesus had given us a way out of this? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a way to break the cycle and actually live a good life? Well, guess what? He did. There's actually lots of ways. There's lots of ways to do this. But today I want to talk to you about the Sabbath. All right, you guys ready to jump into the sermon? That was all just intro stuff to get us prepped and ready to talk about the Sabbath, okay? Are you ready? Are you excited? 45 minutes, we'll get out of here on time. This is going to be great, okay? So, the very first thing that I want to talk to you about is that we need to go to Genesis chapter 1, okay? And we need to read the whole first chapter. I'm going to summarize most of it for you, though, okay? So it kind of goes like this. This is the creation story. We're probably mostly uh, um, aware of this, okay? But before we jump to that, I want to define Sabbath for you. Some of you are like, what is this? You keep saying Sabbath. You keep saying Sabbath. What, is, what are you even talking about, okay? Sabbath comes, it's not interchangeable with Sunday. Sabbath comes from the root word, from a word in the Hebrew, Shabbat, which means to stop, okay? So Sabbath simply defines means to stop. 
Sabbath means we stop buying, we stop doing, we stop cleaning, we stop Netflixing and YouTubing, we stop setting alarm clocks, we stop cooking, and by goodness, we stop working. And not just paid work, friends. I mean dishes pile up, laundry can sit and rest, we let the grass grow, we set the to-do list aside. Instead, we keep our Bibles open, our beds warm, coffee cups full at all times. That is a strong must, okay? If you're not drinking three pots of coffee on the Sabbath, you're doing it wrong, okay? Our bellies full, we laugh, we nap, we nap hard in my house, okay? We Shabbat hard, okay? We sleep, we sit, we rest, we spend time with family, we spend time with God. Sabbath, very simply put, means to simply just stop, stop. So, Flip over to uh, Genesis chapter 1, okay? So, Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to recap the first chapter to you, and it goes something like this. Day 1, God creates light divided from the darkness, and it is good. Day 2, God creates atmosphere divided from the oceans, and it is good. Day 3, God creates land and vegetation. It is good. Day 4, God creates sun, moon, stars, day and night. It is good. Day 5, God creates creatures to fill the sky and a sea, and it was good. Day six, God creates to fill the land, and he makes man and woman in his own image. It was good. Verse 31 says this. He looks back in all creation, and he says, it was very good. Okay? He didn't just do a good job. He did a very good job. Okay? Join me in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Here we're going to pick up and read. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Verse 2, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day, declared it holy, because it was a day when he rested from all his work of creation. Did you catch that? God rested all-powerful, almighty, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent, God rested. I couldn't possibly take a day off. God, God rested. I have a demanding, high-pressure job. God rested, but I have little kids. God rested, but I have, I'm a student. I have lots of God rested, but God, God, no, stop. Stop right there. God rested. God rested. We can stop the sermon and just like, that's enough. God rested. Let's do that, okay? I want to give you a couple of side notes, just the thoughts about this whole creation thing too, okay? Isn't it really interesting? What day was Adam and Eve made? Day number six. Adam and Eve are made in God's image, commissioned, blessed, and you would think, think about your first day on your job. You have that anticipation. You want to get there, Prove to the boss you got what it takes. You're excited. It's a new season of life, right? And you would think that they would just be shot off into Monday to do a good work. But that's day six. What happens on day seven? Shabbat. Sabbath. And so their first day on earth is to do nothing but rest. Isn't that interesting? Many years later, after all of the Genesis story has created... Okay, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees in Mark chapter 2. 
And he's confronted. They're walking through a corn, a uh, little like a barley field, a wheat field, and they're doing a little bit of snacking. Their tumblies are a little hungry, okay? And the Pharisees are like, why are you working on the Sabbath? And Jesus says this famous one-sentence, one-line teaching. He says the Sabbath, this is the NIV, he says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I like how the NLT says it too. It says the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. We had students last week in group actually bring this question up. If God is all-powerful, why did he have to rest? God didn't have to rest. He created Sabbath for you and me. We are not servants of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift to us. It serves our needs. It's like God had a plan for humanity, saying that you can't run 24-7. You actually, you actually have to stop sometimes. You actually have to rest sometimes. And it's like God put order to the universe. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. One other cool thought about this creation story. The Sabbath has, the, the, the creation story has three blessings in it. Okay? And if you read it closely, there's three blessings. And the first blessing is for the fish and birds. And he says, multiply and go forth and fill the earth. And then he blesses man. And he says, multiply and go fill the earth. And then he blesses. He makes the Sabbath day holy and he blesses it. So what's that blessing? I think that blessing is the same uh, uh, procreative blessing that he gave to the fish and the animals. It is the ability to birth life. Not physical life, though. When we Sabbath, when we intentionally take time to just sit and rest, God restores and puts new life in your soul. What's worse about our cultural moment of unrest right now is not that just the fatigued bodies, but a fatigued soul. Your soul is so tired and chipped away that it cannot connect with God. I can't remember where. It was a book where John Mark, I can't remember, but he said that a, a devotion starts with awareness. God's presence is all around us. But many of us have trouble connecting with God because we just simply are too tired to be aware of him. We're just too tired to even put those, to be like, oh God, I just need to crash and sleep and get up Monday morning and start running again. The Sabbath is where life for your soul comes from. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, and I'm quoting it from the message. I really like how Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, are you tired, worn out, Burnout on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that just sound like a beautiful life? Unforced forced rhythms of grace freely living oh that just sounds beautiful right and you can experience it the god of creation built this into the order of your life that you can experience this every week on the sabbath i told you earlier that when we started focusing and resting one day of the week it changed how we lived the other six days coming out of the sabbath 
man, I didn't get any sleep last night. Man, I have a lot of things to do at work. Man, these kids are sick or busy or whatever, but you know what? I rested and I can do this. Man, I'm just stressed and burnt out, but you know what? I can do this because I'm rested. Man, I am so tired, but guess what? Two days from now, the Sabbath is coming. One day from now, the Sabbath, the Sabbath is here. One day changed my six days. I told you today, today's a crash course in Sabbath, okay? And so we still have quite a bit to rush through. I'm going to pick up the speed a little bit to make sure we get out of here on time. So everybody take a deep breath. Focus up because we're going to go fast, okay? You may be asking, you may be thinking at this point in your life, Josh, isn't the Sabbath like an Old Testament thing, okay? Right? Like mostly we do not do this right now in our cultural time, okay? But this is really very, fairly unheard of except for a few different um, uh, faith organizations that still practice this. But mostly in Christianity, this has completely been burnt out. And if you were familiar with Sabbath before this, you viewed it as which we um, kind of transformed into as the holy day or a day of worship. And so Sunday became our Sabbath, and what actually became from a day of rest just became a day completely just, we focused it as a day of worship. And so I remember this growing up where I had to wear my best clothes at church. Church was almost an all-day affair. It started at 6, ended at 12 p.m., 1 p.m. in the afternoon, okay? And then a lot of you probably grew up with, you went back to church for Sunday Night Revive, right? Church, it was just this constant, and that's not a bad thing. That's all a good thing. Corporate worship is an important part of your Sabbath, but we'll get to that later. But we transformed it in our minds. And even um, non-faith religious uh, organizations, we used to have blue laws, right? Those were just abolished in 1985, okay? And blue laws were things that prohibited sales of certain things. Stores would shut down. You weren't allowed to buy cars or booze. I know this, actually, because in Indiana... When I was 18, we couldn't buy booze on Sunday, and so we would have to get into our car, drive to Ohio, and get it from the gas station and bring it back, okay? So that was just 1985. But even then, we still had this thing this, this where the nation kind of shut down. But since then, the last 35 years or so, that's pretty much been abolished. We don't shut down. Um, so you may be wondering, well, isn't that just kind of a thing of the past, Okay. So these are two big reasons why I still believe that Sabbath is important for 2020, biblically mandated even for 2020. One is that it's in the creation story, and I think the creation story is God showing order for all of life. He takes chaos and he puts order to it, right? He takes the, the land and the sea, it was all jumbled together, he separates it, he creates day and night and seasons and rotation and gravity, and he just creates order. And so part of that order was work six days, rest one. And next, though, is this. If you go to Exodus 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Exodus 20, verse 8. The Israelites were freshly free here from uh, Egypt. They had just escaped the ten plagues, the Red Sea, all of that. They're camped out on this mountain called Mount Sinai. And God's like, hey, we need to take a little time out. We need to establish some ground rules. It's been a while since you guys have been outside, Okay. It's been a little while, so let's just establish a few ground rules. So Moses goes up the mountain, he's talking with God, and he comes down with what? Ten commandments, right? So one of those ten commandments, Exodus 20, verse 8, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. They hadn't been practicing Sabbath because they'd been enslaved to Egypt. And so God comes out and he comes out and he brings the Ten Commandments. And you know what's interesting about the Ten Commandments? Is that we adhere to every other single one of them. Hey, New Testament, murder's up for grabs! No, we don't say that, okay? Hey, you can covet now, guys, because it's... No, this is still part of the Ten Commandments, and we view these as morality for life. Moral rules or dictates that manage how we live every day. Honor your parents, okay? Don't steal, don't murder. Don't put an idol above God. And so Sabbath falls into that pattern for me. And so that's my second big reason is, one, it's in the creation story, and two, it's part of the Ten Commandments. And so I still see this as being relevant in 2020, okay? Hmm. Just a few interesting things for you. The Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, if you could break up took all the words and everything, made a pie chart of all the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath is by far the biggest. It would take up 30% of the pie, which also is about how I like my slices of pie, okay? I like them to be not a quarter, but like a little bit. You're like, that's a fat piece of pie, but they're not like, hey, he's gluttonous and he's taking a whole piece of pie, like half a pie, okay? They're 30%. That's a good size, okay? But it's really big. It's the only commandment to get a why. You shall not murder, because it ain't cool, okay? There ain't no why on murder, okay? But the Sabbath gets a why. And also, Sabbath is the only spiritual discipline to make its way into the Ten Commandments. Just some interesting thoughts for you, okay? So I want to show you one more verse here. It's in Deuteronomy 5.8. So remember, the 20, Exodus 28 says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? We fast forward a lot of years, Israel has gone through the wilderness. They got up to the promised land, okay? But they fumbled. They messed up. They didn't trust God. They didn't go up when he said you should go. And so God says, you know what? Lap it again, everybody. Lap it again. Forty more years round the mountain, round the year, okay? And so they get out, and they said, none of this generation is coming into the promised land. And so Moses is still sticking it. He's here with them. And so Deuteronomy 5, verse 12 says this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servants nor your ox, your donkeys, or any of your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand, an outstretched hand. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Something very interesting has switched here. At first, in Exodus 20, to the first generation of Israelites free from Egypt, we have remember the Sabbath day. Sometimes we're moving so fast, it's easy to forget that we're supposed to rest. Sometimes we got to remember and be like, hey, slow down. Leave the dishes. Let's rest. Hey, slow down. Leave the to-do list. Let's rest. But what's happened here? The whole generation that had experienced slavery firsthand has died off. 
And now we have a new generation for the first time that did not experience the slavery that their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents had experienced. So Moses ad-libs and changes it a little bit. And he goes from remember the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath. And so this is actually also a Jewish tradition to start in the Sabbath. The mother of the family or the, um, the, the woman of... Uh, the head woman there or whatever, will take two candles and they'll light each candle. And as they light the candles, they ask the kids, why do we light the candles? And the kids say, to remember and observe. And that's a tradition. That's how we start the Sabbath off. We Sabbath on Friday night through Saturday dinner. And every time we have this candle that we got from uh, Target, I was like, honey, spend the big bucks, get the good one, the one from the Joanne, whatever her name, from Texas. Okay, I want my house smelling like cardamom and cinnamon or whatever. Spend it. I want two wicks. Okay. And so we got the big candle, and we light it, and we ask Nora. We say, Nora, why do we light the candle? And she says, to remember and observe. Okay, and she loves it. She's all about this now. She probably is going to be like, uh, to remember and observe in 10 years from now, okay? But right now she loves it. And immediately, almost always, she says, kind of blow it out now. We're like, no, we just paid for this candle. We're going to let it burn for a little bit, okay? But God says, remember and observe. The word says, remember and observe. And so we observe things like holidays. We don't forget that Christmas is coming. We take time out when Christmas hits you we observe it. We have our traditions set. The presents are bought. The roast is in the oven. We prepare for it. Nobody has to tell me to remember. And here's the thing why, though, is because they were free from slavery. And so God's saying, do not forget your background. Do not forget that this is a gift. John Mark Comer says this, slaves don't get a Sabbath. They don't even get a day off. They work all day, all day every day until they die. We remember the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath to remember our freedom from desire. We remember and observe the Sabbath to remember our freedom from accomplishment. Our freedom from being valued by what we do and how much we do in a week or how well we do it. On the Sabbath, we sit and observe that our worth comes from God and that we can be loved even while we do nothing. And I don't know about you, but that's hard for me. I'm a very, like, hey, after this, can you guys all tell me, just give me a little pat and said the sermon was okay, Josh, okay? Even, you know, like, because I'm like, I need, that's the insecurity of mine. But on the Sabbath, we rest and we don't look for any of that. On the Sabbath, we don't look for, it all comes from God. Wayne Mueller says this, Sabbath is a time to stop, to refrain from being seduced by our desire. Instead of buying a new coffee maker, make coffee in the old one. Sit with your spouse on the couch. Hang out. Do what they do in the advertisement picture. Just stop. That is, after all, what they're trying to sell you in the picture, right? People who have stopped. You cannot buy a stop. You simply have to stop. To recap, we are a restless generation filled with desire that is tempting to overtake and drive us. The Sabbath is a practice that breaks us from that cycle. I know that this has been a lot, and today I really just want to give you the biblical reason of argument or why I view the Sabbath as functional today, mandated today. 
Next week, we're going to get into all the practicalities of how I actually Sabbath, how I believe you can Sabbath, and it's really, really awesome when you start doing that, okay? But before we end today, I want to give you just a few practical practices for this week, okay? So you may be wondering, where do I start? Where do I even just fit this in? How do I even begin, okay? Part of remembering and observing is preparing, the mandate in there, if you paid real close attention, is it's actually a double-sided command. You will work six days and rest one day. So what switched in our lives is that I work a five-day work week. I work one day of my day off to get all of my household chores done and to get my to-do list done and shopping done. And then I take one day where we just shut it all down and rest. Okay, so first of all, it takes preparation. And so pick 24 hours, 24 hours in your week that you can just shut it down. And so what we did, because Sunday is a busy day for us, and this is my Monday, and I get up ready to work and put forth and stuff, is that so Friday night through Saturday is when we Sabbath. Friday night at dinner we start, and we end it at dinner on Saturday the next day, okay? And so here's a couple practices or things you could do to make your Sabbath um, enjoyable. You could light candles, eat a meal. We eat lots of food on the Sabbath. On Sabbath, you throw the diet out, you throw ketogenics out, you throw exercise. We just throw it all out, okay? And we go and we prepare, we save our calories for Saturday, okay? We're like, because we're eating donuts for breakfast, we're having cake for lunch, and we're going to finish it off with a nice big pie at dinner, okay? All the food. We eat everything that's good, okay? This is the day that we splurge and we save up for. I will eat black bean tacos on Monday so that I can eat ribs on Saturday, okay? We save up and prepare for the Sabbath, okay? So we eat lots of food. We blast worship music. We worship with our community. If it's nice outside, we go for a walk. We go to the park. We nap. I told you earlier that we nap, and we napped hard. I couldn't believe this. When we first started Sabbathing, I would wake up at 6, 7 with the kids. Amy would sleep. She would get up about 8.30, 8.45. I would go back to bed for an hour, hour and a half. I would get up in time to play with the kids a little bit, eat lunch. The kids would go down for a nap. I would go back down for another nap. I would nap from 1 to 3, and then we'd wake up. The kids would wake up. We would play a little more. We'd eat a huge dinner, and then we'd go to bed by 9. That was my Sabbath for the first couple of months. I could not believe how much I was sleeping when I gave myself the opportunity to do it. Amy's like, you slept like 11 hours yesterday. I'm like, yeah. This requires rest, baby. This doesn't just happen on its own. Okay? Napping. If you're married, making love. In the Jewish text, there's actually, you actually get brownie points if you sleep with your spouse. Some of you are like, hey, Sabbathing sounds pretty good. I'm going to give this a try, okay? Reading, spending time alone with God, spending time with family and friends. This, this last Friday, Amy's parents came over, and we just, the whole evening was just laughing and playing games. And what a great way to start the Sabbath. Shabbat, as I told you earlier, means to stop. But it also can be translated to delight. And so when you're thinking about your Sabbath in 24 hours, 
This is the filter that I use when I think of the Sabbath and any activity that I want to do. And I'm like, should I do that or not do that? I run it through this filter. Does it bring delight to my soul? Does it bring rest to my soul? And does it bring worship to my soul? And so as you're thinking about maybe practicing and starting this this next week, I would encourage you to run your list of things that you want to do through that filter. Delight, rest, and worship. We really, really, really delight in apple strudels, okay? But you know what happens to me if I watch TV on the Sabbath? I just have this desire that starts to build in. I want to watch more and more and more, and then all of a sudden I'm just overtaken. I didn't nap, and I'm overtired. And you know what? Does TV for me doesn't do it. To me, TV to me is a numbing way to escape. And so for me, TV isn't. But I eat my fair share of apple strudels and donuts and cinnamon rolls on the Sabbath, okay? This is the last thing I want to end with tonight. Basic morality, and this is, again, all from John Mark Comer, guys. Go to Bridgetown and look this stuff up if this interests you. But basic morality is a command. Basic morality is a command. But spiritual maturity is an invitation. If you're like, no, I'm not going to try that. I got too much to do. I'm resting well how I am. This was great. I'm glad it worked for you, but not for me. That's okay. This is all just open invitation. Don't murder, the basic morality, get all that stuff down. But Sabbath is an invitation. It's a gift, and you don't have to receive it. I would encourage you, but there's no shame, and there's going to be no guilt if you're like, nah, not for me. That's okay. I'm just telling you that Sabbath has changed my life, and it's something that I'm going to practice till I die, and that I believe it 100% with my heart. So can we just stand for a second? The altars will be open today after service if you still desire prayer. But can I just pray for you for a second before we dismiss here? I'd like to pray health. I'd like to pray peace and rest over you, if that's okay. So if you'd receive that, just open your hands up like you're almost getting a gift and just put them in front of you. Father, thank you, God, for this people. Thank you, God, for this community. Thank you, God, for being a God that exhibited and demonstrated rest. You don't just demand a tireless slavery from us, Father. That we would just tirelessly spend our bodies and energy to just put it all out on the line, God. You actually put rest into order for us. I pray that you would just give these people health. I pray prevention, God, of, against the cough and the cold and any other disease that would try to seep in, God, on us, Father supernatural health in Jesus name I pray for wealth and blessing with man father I pray that they would have blessing when they go to their businesses and their jobs and their co-workers and their bosses father and then their families I pray for that you would just bless those relationships God in this nation right now I pray you would increase as people are looking at the time saying I'm stuck at home and cannot work I have to take time off for the kids how am I going to pay the bills God increase our finances father but Lord, give us rest. Rest our souls, rest our bodies in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you this last picture, and then Brayden can tell me how we're going to end this. But this last picture I got when I was thinking of the Sabbath is that when I think of the Sabbath, I think of life like walking through a desert. 
Day one, I'm prepared. I have my canteen. I have my, you know, my SPF 85 or whatever it is. I'm slathered in it, and I just start walking. But as I'm walking, the wind starts chipping away at me. My water supply starts getting lower and lower. The wind is hot. The wind, the, the day is hot. The wind, the nights are super cold. The wind just picks the sand up and hits me and cuts me. I see it almost as if there's mirages, promising water, promising refreshment, and you get there and the distractions just kind of take you off your path and they're gone. But on day number six, as the sun's coming down, you find an oasis. And at the oasis, all the animals gather. There's water and food in abundance. Everybody is just sitting and eating. If you watch the animal shows on the oasis, the tiger is not eating the gazelle because they're all there for the water. The things that are attacking you set aside. And you get rested and refilled, and the next day you can sit up refreshed and ready for the next day's journey. So may God bless you as we uh, end today's service. I'm excited to see you. what's going to happen this next week. Love you guys.